Hi there, welcome back to Sunday School. I'm Mike Stedham, and today we're going to be in the book of Nehemiah. The question I want to ask, the question I want to start with is, what do you like to do after church? Of course, times have changed a whole lot during the pandemic. Our places of worship, our daily activities have changed a lot. Our Sunday routines have changed a lot. But I remember when I was growing up, Sunday after church usually meant Sunday dinner at my grandparents' house. Uh, my grandmother would have done a lot of cooking even before church started. Aunts, uncles, cousins, we would all gather around the table in the dining room. And that was a very special time to have together as family. A lot of us uh, now go to restaurants or go home with family and, and have a, that kind of fellowship after we get out of church. During that time, do you ever reflect on or think about what you heard during the sermon? Well, a lot of times uh, a topic, something that the preacher brought up, might have been the topic of conversation around that. Well, today we're going to look at a time in Hebrew history where the people of God are basically having a sermon given to them, and their reaction to that sermon is very interesting, and then what uh, they are suggested, what's suggested for them to do afterward, well, might kind of remind you of Sunday dinner after church. We're in the book of Nehemiah, the eighth chapter. Now, remember this book, Nehemiah, and the book of Ezra, at one time actually were part of the same scroll. Uh, they were written about the time when the children of Israel were returning from Babylonian captivity. And they tell the story of the restoration of the nation of Israel. They don't have the political power, the political clout that they had before the Babylonians came in. Now they're part of the Persian Empire, and uh, they're not going to have political autonomy, but the rulers do allow them to come back home and allow them to reestablish the city of Jerusalem, allow them to rebuild the temple so that their worship services can go back the way that they had been prior to the Babylonian captivity. Now, we can imagine that during the time they were in captivity, the Levites, the scribes, would have been recording a lot of the uh, history of the Jewish people, but the average person probably didn't spend a lot of time, didn't have a lot of time, to learn all this stuff. Now, the Babylonians, you may remember, tried to incorporate the Jews into their society. We look at the book of Daniel, which is basically a book that warned them to remain true to their earlier uh, culture, to their religious values. So they resisted a lot of this. They, they had not assimilated into the society as much, say, as the Hebrews had done when they were uh, slaves in Egypt. They became very much a part of the Egyptian society at that time. So they had a separate identity, but probably a lot of the laws, a lot of the things that they had been taught earlier had fallen by the wayside, uh, largely because they were in a different culture, a different place. They couldn't go through many of the rituals they had been used to. So there's a real sense of restoration. In the earlier parts of uh, Ezra and Nehemiah, we have the story of the rebuilding of the city, the gates are rebuilt, the temple is rebuilt so that the worship of Yahweh can go back to where it was. In the eighth chapter of Nehemiah, we're going to see a great time of restoration, beginning in verse 1. All the people assembled as one man in the square before the water gate. 
they told Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for Israel. Yes, it is ironic, isn't it, that they had uh, the water gate. That's the gate they believe um, through which um, they would go out and go in to the various wells outside the city. So it was a gate in which they brought water. The Watergate complex in Washington, D.C., which of course became infamous during the 1970s because of the great political scandal of the time, it is not based on this uh, Watergate. In fact, there were probably other reasons why that complex was named that, but it did have to do with uh, the waterworks of the city of Washington, D.C., and is still considered to be uh, a pretty nice property. Uh, the there's still office buildings and apartments and condos and all of that area. So this Watergate is not related to the Nixonian Watergate. Just thought I'd clear that up for you. So on the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon as he faced the square before the Watergate in the presence of the men women, and others who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. If you've ever been a teacher, you know there's a very special feeling when you're in a classroom full of people who are interested in the topic you're talking about. Now, obviously, as teachers, we know that there are days when uh, there's not a lot of interest out there uh, among the students. But there's a very special feeling when there is a thirst, a hunger, on the part of the people who want to know what's going on. And again, these are people who are rediscovering who they are. These are people who are rediscovering what it means to be a Hebrew. The law of Moses had helped them hold on to what they had while they were in Babylon. And now that they were fully restoring the temple, their worship, they wanted to know what it was all about. They wanted to know what was happening. And men and women and those who were able to understand. So we probably figure that um, adolescents were also included in this group. Everybody except the very young children, and maybe they had some kind of children's church for them. Uh, but basically, this is going to be the people who can understand. And they're standing there listening attentively from daybreak until noon. Now, for those of us who have trouble holding the attention of a class for 45 minutes or an hour, this is pretty impressive. Uh, the people really did want to know what was going on here. Ezra the scribe stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Beside him on his right stood Mathaniah, Shema, Ananiah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Messiah. And on his left were Pediah, Mishael, Malachijai, Hashem, Hashbadanah, Zechariah, and Meshulam. So these are some of the people who represent the priestly class, the Levites who understand all this. So it had to be a pretty big platform to hold all of these people. Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. And they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. So this is very much like a church service today. You have 
the preacher standing on a platform. You have people surrounding the preacher, and then the message is delivered from a position where uh, his voice could carry into the crowd. So this uh, particular assembly is something that we can have. We can have some mental image. We recognize this kind of assembly. The Levites, Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shabbatai, Hodiah, Masaniah, Kelita, Azariah, Josabad, Hannah, and Peleliah instructed the people on the law while the people were standing there. So they were acting sort of as interpreters. Uh, one of the commentators I was reading this week said that already the people might have been speaking a form of Aramaic, which was sort of the common language. And they might not have been as familiar with the more formal Hebrew passages that were being read to them. It, it might have been like today, if somebody reads something to us in Middle English, we need somebody to kind of explain what these words mean. Languages evolve, languages grow and change, and it's always very useful to have somebody around who can sort of give you some background on what's going on to explain these things to you. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was being read. So what kind of reaction would they have had? Well, again, these are probably ancient rituals, ancient rites. They're reading from what we today call the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, which give the story of the Hebrew people, where they came from. Well, where the earth itself came from, uh, what caused languages to develop, what caused evil to come into the world. All of these things are there, but also the very special story of the children of Abraham, the man of faith that God chose to be the father of this people. So they're hearing their family history. They're hearing uh, the stories of their ancestors, and they're learning about how the ancestors have fallen away, how they had the land of Israel. They, they were given all these things that God had promised them, and how their sin had separated them from God, and how eventually they were punished by the Babylonians coming in and taking over their country. So you can see them probably following the arc of the story, from the beginning to the successful middle part, to the tragic ending, which ended when the nation of Israel fell. And you can imagine the kind of emotion that must have brought to the listeners here. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites, who were instructing the people, said to all of them, This day is sacred to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. So the story has affected them. It's reached them emotionally. And their reaction is, they've been crying. But this is not what the leaders really intended. They're bringing the people back into a better relationship with God, and even though the normal emotion for them was one of sadness, the sense of loss, all these things, this is to be a happy day, a time of rejoicing, a time of coming back to the Lord. Nehemiah said, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks, and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred to our Lord. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. 
Now, for those of you, if you did have a similar background uh, that I had, if, if you did have Sunday dinner after church with the family, you know that the main beverage that was offered, a friend of mine called it the table wine of the South, that's right, sweet tea. I'm not sure they had iced tea. I'm not sure that uh, uh, they had the same uh, kind of beverage, but it was something that had sugar in it or honey or whatever. So basically, they would have a beverage not unlike what we would enjoy today. Now, the kids got to drink Coke, obviously, but the adults and, and most of the rest of us, we have the sweet tea. So that brings this back to me to remind me of how much this assembly would have been like uh, the kind of service that we might imagine having today. They're told to go out and get the good food, get the good stuff, and notice that even in this wonderful time of rejoicing, not to be selfish, because there would be people who would not have prepared, who wouldn't have the things needed for a feast, so give them something too. So this is another wonderful reminder that when we are enjoying uh, the generosity of God, the blessings of God. Don't forget about the people that don't have what we have. Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food, and to celebrate with great joy, because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. The scribes had done their job, the Levites had done their job, the people are rejoicing, and the sense of healing, the sense of restoration is what this part of the story is all about. Let's have a word of prayer. Dear God, thank you so much for sending us your word from the Torah, from the beginning of the book of Genesis, all the way to the end of the book of Revelation. We are thankful to you for the words, the stories, the lives of these people that inform the way we live today, the lessons that we learn from your word. Thank you for that. Help us to rejoice and help us to find strength in the joy that your word gives us and help us to share that joy, that strength with the people around us this week. In Christ's name, amen.